Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 98. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I read a story earlier this week and I've been dying to tell you folks about it. Let's do some Drabble news. Check this. Juno, Alaska. About 10,000 Juno residents lost power after a bald eagle lugging a deer head crashed into transmission lines. Before I go any further, let's just stop for a moment and appreciate that particular series of words. A bald eagle lugging a deer head crashed into transmission lines. Okay, I'm ready. The bird, weighed down by the deer head, apparently failed to clear the transmission lines. A repair crew found the eagle dead, the deer head nearby. The power was out for less than 45 minutes. This isn't new news, per se. It happened about a year ago. But stories like this have a certain timeless quality to them. Gail Wood, an Alaska electric light and power spokeswoman, said, Yeah, you pretty much have to live in Alaska to have this kind of outage scenario. Hmm, I don't know what she's trying to say here. I think she's insinuating that the bald eagles in other states are too weak, or too nice, to rip off deer heads. Mm-mm. I think she's talking smack about our eagles. Well, listen here, Mrs. Gale Wood. Did you ever stop to consider that maybe it's your deer that are pansies? Mm-hmm. Heads pop off like Pez dispensers. That's right, I said it. What? Really, though, I wonder what happened here. Sure, this might have just been an overly ambitious eagle who stumbled upon a treasure trough of severed deer parts in some landville, but I'd like to believe that there's something more to it. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Well, our drabble this week is called Culling the Herd by Nicholas Empey. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. Nicholas lives in Washington, D.C. with his wife and is co-author of a couple articles on some obscure aspects of national economic accounting. As interesting as that sounds, this story is a little bit more up our alley. I sit quietly, watching the herd moving on the grass below. We have been tending the herds for generations beyond remembering. Having become accustomed to our presence, they long ago forgot our importance. Another one has gone wrong. He lumbers across the grass, making furious noises when others cross his path. It is time again to cull the herd. Leaving my post, I move swiftly towards him, Passing above him, I release the juice. My aim is good, and white splatter covers his face. Damn, pigeon, he roars. Then he moves on, unaware of the cancer now growing inside of him. So it looks like this week's show is about birds. Disgruntled birds, even. Birds are closely related to dinosaurs, which makes them cool, but at the same time, I kind of feel bad for them because of it. People are always going up to birds and being like, hey, 
So I heard you're related to dinosaurs. That's pretty cool. And the bird's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's whatever. I kind of got my own thing going, though, now. You know, start my own solo career, making connections. I actually uh, got my own reality show on MTV. And people are like, yeah, that's cool. Hey, listen, uh, you think I could, I don't know, maybe meet a dinosaur sometime? I mean, do you guys still keep in touch? I would be so, so grateful. And birds are like, I don't know, I'm kind of busy. My band's playing the Super Bowl this year, and uh, oh, come on, please, please. Dinosaurs are so awesome. Mmm, and I'm not awesome. No, no, you are. You are awesome, birds. You're like the best. But I'm just saying, like, ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved dinosaurs. And if there was just something you could... Yeah, look, I'll see what I can do, okay? God, I hate being related to dinosaurs. So for this week's feature story, we bring you The Graggleberry Thief by Steve Clancy. Steve is a 30-year-old aerospace engineer, sci-fi fantasy writer, and most recently full-time theology student living in Northern California. He attended the 2007 Odyssey Workshop for fantasy writing, to which he'd like to send the following message to his class of 2007 in recognition of their poultry-promoting encouragement. So, without further ado, The Graggleberry Thief by Steve Clancy. said Felonius Peck, managing director of Graggleberry Inc. He strutted about the dirt floor of his expansive East Jungle mud hut office, his scrawny chicken head jerking forward with each menacing step. Of course it can be done! He flapped his wings with manic conviction. It must be done! Doris and Slump, his hippopotami minions, cowered in front of Peck's sizable desk of lashed bamboo. But boss said Doris, eyes cast down to avoid Peck's beady-eyed glare. Twenty wheelbarrows worth of graggleberries is going to be, uh, kind of hard to process before the feast. Of course it's hard, you gargantuan graggle-brained goof. You think King Pumbaa would be impressed if the job were easy? I promised him twenty wheelbarrows of graggleberries for the feast, and twenty barrows he shall have. He pecked his beak three times on the desk, each frantic tap sounding out his name. When Felonius Peck Sr., may his feathers rest in peace, first founded Graggleberry Inc., he had nothing to his name but two Graggleberry seeds and a feed bag full of dreams. You think he squawked about how hard it was? Never! Doris and Slump recoiled, their massive bodies huddling together. With the sweat of his frond and the might of his beak, he forged this company into the greatest supplier of Graggleberries this jungle has ever seen! He pecked again on the desk. We've never failed to deliver on our promise, and we are not about to start now. Recruit the rhinos, employ more monkeys, enlist the elephants, and hire some hedgehogs. I don't know. Just get to work. Doris and Slump stampeded out the door, enveloping the office in a cloud of dust. Peck wheezed, then flapped his way up to the hole in the mud hut wall to find some clear night air. He cocked his head to one side. There... Through the green-yellow sea of the Gribblewood grass, along the meandering path that led to the jungle, scurried a monkey pushing a wheelbarrow. A barrow full of graggleberry plants. Thief! squawked Felonius Peck. He flapped from the window and careened through the Gribblewood grass with cheetah-like speed, a feathered fury streaking towards its kill. He caught the barrow-pushing monkey by the edge of the jungle and flung himself into his path. 
how dare you steal from my factory? He squawked, wings flailing. Woo-hoo-ha-ha, said the gangly gray monkey, scratching his head. Oh, no graggleberries here, Mr. Peck. Just the previously picked plants, with all the graggleberries gone. Preposterous, said Peck. His beak buried in the bushes, tail feathers waggling in the air. Peck searched the entire barrel load. But he found no graggleberries. Why steal the bushes without the graggleberries? They're worthless. Less than worthless. Bergerk! Well, then there's no harm in taking them, I suppose. I'm one of your most loyal employees. <laughs> Mark my words, monkey, said Peck. If you're up to no good, Valonius Peck will find you out. He kicked up dirt and strutted back to the factory. The following night, after a long day of pecking and squawking at his moronic minions, Peck perched behind his desk and wondered how King Pumbaa would reward him after he delivered the graggleberries for the feast. A generous gift, no doubt, to expand his operation. Peck would have the elephants uproot the gribblewood grass to plant more graggleberry bushes from there, by the factory. Peck's moment of inspired vision cracked like a hatching egg. Illuminated only by the waning moonlight, the scurrying monkey pushed his wheelbarrow along the winding path. Peck flapped out of his office and commandeered Rhiannon the rhino. With wings wrapped around Rhiannon's horn, Peck ordered the advance. The great rhino charged across the gribblewood grass, felonious Peck at the prow. I've got you now, said Peck, as Rhiannon skidded to a halt beside the scampering monkey. There'll be no mercy. I'll throw the book at you. Woo-hoo-ha-ha-ha said the monkey, dancing from foot to foot. But there's nothing I've done wrong. We'll see about that. Peck upended the contents of the barrow all over the path, then flung himself into the pile of graggleberry bushes. But he found no graggleberries. Unthinkable. Nobody steals bare branches. The jungle's jam-packed, crammed full of them. Are you mad, monkey? Uh... Maybe, <laughs> said the monkey. But if it's all the same to you, I'll gather up my bushes and be on my way. There's diabolical duplicity here, and I'm not done with you yet, you impossibly implausible primate. Felonius Peck will see you brought to light. He squawked and clucked to himself all the way back to the Graggleberry factory. Rhiannon the rhino kept a very safe distance behind. Every night that week, Felonius Peck squatted in his window and watched the monkey take a barrel load of graggleberry plants to the jungle. With utter conviction that there was more to the monkey's mischief than met the eye, Peck spent most of his waking minutes thinking of little else. Uh, boss? said Doris, peering through the doorway of Peck's office, three days before the feast. We's, uh, we's, we should probably talk about production. I've no time to talk, you mindless mountain of mediocrity, said Peck. Are we on schedule or not? Uh, yeah, boss, but... Then leave me alone. I gotta figure out what this meddlesome monkey is up to. It's your responsibility that we stay on schedule. The buck stops with you. Doris retreated, and Peck paced his window ledge. A curse on that aggravating ape. How and why? With the feast so close, he couldn't afford a security breach. 
Yet the monkey persisted in his rascally routine, lollygagging along, pushing barren bushes with Graggleberries long gone. No, 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 this couldn't go on. Peck found Rhiannon and told her to watch the factory gate and challenge the monkey when he came. Nope, no Graggleberries on me. <laughs> the monkey told Rhiannon. But as he addressed the rhino, Felonius Peck dived into the monkey's barrel full of bushes. Along bumped the barrow as Peck hid in the darkness, determined to solve the monkey's mystery. After traveling what must have been a long way into the jungle, the barrow flipped over and Peck flopped unceremoniously to the ground. Aha! said Peck, submerged in a mound of graggleberry bushes. Out jerked his head, but he soon saw it was just a very large mound of bushes, entirely bereft of graggleberries. Said the monkey, scratching his head. This is it? said Peck. You bring these bushes all this way every single night just to dump them in the middle of nowhere? Insanity! Peck pecked at the air. Well, no more. They may be worthless bushes, but they're my worthless bushes, and I'm taking them back. He scooped up a wingful of bushes and waddled back down the jungle path. In the small hours of the morning, Peck stumbled into his office and dumped the load of useless bushes on the floor. Uh, boss? Doris stood in the corner of the office. Sorry, boss. We thought we should wait for you. What? said Peck. What? It's about the graggleberries for the feast, boss. We ain't gonna make that order on time. What? Why not? It was him, wasn't it? That blasted monkey got my graggleberries in the end. Uh, no, uh, we's actually got all the graggleberries we need, boss. Twenty barrel loads worth, just like you wanted. Well, then, what's the problem? We, uh, can't deliver them, said Doris, cowering in the corner. Somebody's stolen all the wheelbarrows. <laughs> our story. We thought we were about due for a Drabblecast tale that was PG. If you're looking for some more Drabblecast this week that's not so PG, but pretty funny and bizarre, check out our new story in Drabblecast B-Sides, our other podcast, which you can find linked at the top of our page, Drabblecast.org. Let's do some quick story feedback. A few weeks ago, we ran Mike Resnick's dog story, Blue. This one didn't get much feedback, which is surprising, because usually people respond strongly to Resnick stories. This may be because the story was strangely unstrange, which is strange for us. Still, people that did comment seemed to like it a lot. Golden Rat said, This was as good as it gets for me. Dogs rule, no question about it. As the owner of two awesome large dogs who are shelter graduates, it really struck a chord with me. The storytelling and production were just perfect. How cool is it to have a great story like this after last week's freaking cool horrific bloodbath? Rick V gave the story two thumbs meh saying, a good dog story, and those that love good dog stories will just love it, but for me it was undrabbly. The whole after-death fantasy missed its mark, and I just notched it up as a sad story. Old Yeller turned badass. Oh well. The next week we ran episode 94, Squidges, by Thomas Canfield. There are also some mixed feelings for this story. T. Baker said, 
Dude, that was cool. The previous two episodes were a little heavy, but this was the shizzle. And Kevin Anderson also liked it, saying, This was a fun story, and I can't think of it playing on any other podcast. I really enjoyed the description of the brothers, and I think I met those guys several years ago when I broke down just outside of a one gas station town in the Ozarks. Great production, and nice podcast talent swapping. And there he's referring to the two Doonstief guys that helped us out with the narration, Rish Outfield and Big Anklevich. Thanks, guys. Logistic Vantra Shell of Lob thought the production was a bit over the top at times, but the narration was spot on. He said, The story just wasn't as weird as I'm used to for the Drabblecast. A guy gets ripped off by some auto repair guys. What? No explosions? No radioactive beasts? No aliens? No butt humor? It just wasn't drabbly enough for me. Well, whether you prefer dog stories or stories about radioactive alien poop, we like hearing from you. So join our discussion forums or comment on our website to let us know what you think. We rely solely on listener donations to pay our authors and cover our production costs. So if you can, chuck us a donation from our main site, either one time or subscribe for five bucks a month. Now that's a better deal than finding a free deer head in a landfill. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license, which means you can't change it, you can't sell it, but you can share it with everybody in the world. And we hope you do. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to watch out for power lines. The evening saunters to closing. The waitress turns chairs upside down. Piano player picks up his tip jar and drink.